I can't think of a better way to start off 2020 than with the A show. Not only the A show in WWE, but the A show on Wednesday nights. Oh yes, let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Rally Check, here with, let's just take a minute and say it, your NXT review for January 1st, 2020. Oh, yes, obviously, I'm going to start off with a Happy New Year for everybody. Happy New Year to everybody that wished me a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Those of you that realized it was my birthday for wishing me Happy Birthday, etc. I w do want to send a quick shout-out to Shell from the... Uh, from the chats from uh, the Joe Cronin show who tagged me on some kind of of uh, Happy New Year post sometime last night and is responsible for 99% of the notifications on my phone last night and this morning. Um, good time had by all. Shout out to all the people in this community that helped me out. Obviously my co-hosts Kristen and Guapo. Uh, Happy New Year to Connor aka OKFabe who's starting up his stuff on the Fight TV. Shout out to uh, Jake DeMarco and Joe Cronin for all the cool shit they do. Shout out to everybody at What Culture, even though they're probably not watching as well as Good Mike Worker and all the shit they do. So when you're done watching me go check out all of them as well. Now this is not I said we're starting it off, starting off the year with NXT. We aren't starting out the the year of NXT with a show per se. I had heard rumors that it was going to be a bit of a clip show that they had taped a couple more matches, like they did for the show last week, debut of Shotzi Blackheart, etc. Not quite the case, but we did have a couple things going in. We knew we were getting three matches from previous pay-per-views of 2019. We did know that we were getting the announcement of the teams for the Dusty Classic, which is cool, which we're going to get to momentarily, and that we were going to go through the uh, the NXT Awards for 2019. So we didn't, I will say, even though the show ran over by a couple of minutes, not, not, not as much as Raw with the... Uh, Bobby Lashley and Lana wedding. Uh, that's better left alone. They, they've uh, taken an interesting turn with Liv Morgan, but that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We start off, as we always do on NXT, with this awesome video recap. You know, I, I've said for a while now, they, they do do the... Uh, the Walking Dead previously on NXT thing every week now, which is really cool. But this one was obviously a recap for the whole year. It was hyped up by Pat McAfee, and Pat McAfee, and I mean this in a good way, doesn't come off as a professional announcer. He comes off as somebody that's trying to come off as a professional announcer, but can't help but just be a fan. It's like the, the last takeover they did where he started hyping up the crowd and then realistically just ended up running running up and down uh, the, the the aisleways and the and the, the fan areas and just like losing his shit never mind the fact that when they get to the uh, NXT control center which is a little bit contrived I hope they don't use that too much it is uh, Pat McAfee and Sam Roberts and uh, Kathy Kelly I think is her last name um, something I didn't mention last time or maybe I did I don't know the 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 begrudging heel nature of Sam Roberts just makes me smile and everybody obviously loses their shit when he talks about not liking Bianca Belair but I mean if he was saying those exact same things about somebody like Lana or Liv Morgan nobody would care but it's Bianca Belair so it is what it is they just they didn't take up too much of the show though they really were just the sinew they were just the glue to get us from from thing to thing 
and they served their purpose well, well like I say, without overstaying their welcome. They, they threw us basically right into the second runner-up for match of the year, which was TakeOver 25, the fatal four-way ladder match between the Street Profits, the Undisputed Era, the Forgotten Sons, and Lorcan and Birch. Uh, I remember watching this match. I'm not going to go through the whole match tonight, obviously. If, if there's anything to say about this match, it's already been said. I do remember going into this match thinking, okay, you got the Street Profits, the Undisputed Era. The other two teams really don't need to be there, but it was a lot of fun. All of the other teams getting in there to beat the fuck out of Jackson Riker when he tried to get involved uh, was good. And this was the first title win for the Street Profits, and I think, A... This match deserved to get, if they were going to bring pay-per-view matches to mainstream TV as an example of here's what you can, here's what you can expect, it's a really, really good thing. The match deserves to be there on its own merits alone, but it is a nice, it is a nice little bit of timing and a little bit of coincidence that we show this great match, this great moment for the Street Profits, when they are in fact going on to a triple threat match this coming Monday to fight for the Raw Tag Team titles. Now, I don't think this is going to be nearly as good, because what is it? It's the OC, the Viking Raiders, and the um, and the Street Profits. Sorry, my brain just went totally blank there for a second. Um, so it's a little bit of, hey, you like these guys. Remember when you like these guys? They've got a title shot. You should give a shit. You should watch on Monday. Now, that is a little bit defeatist in attitude for me, for sure. I mean, it's Monday Night Raw. They need all the help they can get. But also, as I say, in general, it's a great match. It deserved uh, it deserved focus. And if, if it happens to be the second runner-up for match of the year, I, I'm okay with that. Now, we transition from that to the first award of the night, which is Tag Team of the Year. Uh, and I figured coming off of that match, maybe they were going to announce that, that the uh, Street Profits had won for the year because the Street Profits aren't in NXT anymore. So this is where I come around to it a lot, take my shots at AEW. AEW wins in the tag team game. I've said it before, people think I don't say anything nice about AEW, but AEW win the tag team game much like NXT win the women's wrestling game, and we're going to get into that much, much, much later on. But I thought it was would have been an interesting transition if the Street Profits had won to immediately transition into that award. But then you look at the, the competitors for this award, and none of them... Or, or sorry, I should say one of them are in NXT. You've got the Street Profits, who are now on Raw, the Grizzled Young Veterans, who I like, but most people still aren't familiar with, the Viking Raiders, who are now on Raw, who were called the Viking Raiders in this qualification for an NXT award where they were known as the War Raiders, and that just, that bugs a lot of people. It bugs me a little bit, so I'm sure there are other people there that it bugs more. Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, who are really fun, really high-energy team, which... I remember from when I was watching NXT UK a bit more, but I don't think people on the main stage that are only now watching NXT because it's on regular TV give a flying fuck who Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster are, and that's that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And then the final one is the only one that's in NXT right now, and that's the Undisputed Era, specifically Fish and O'Reilly, and, and not surprisingly, they get the win, not only because they're the only ones that it really works for, but also because Undisputed Era as a whole is one of the biggest things happening in, in NXT. If you if you run down, and we're going to go through this multiple times in the night tonight, and this is where I say NXT really knows where their bread is buttered, um, where's their focus? Where are their stars? I said this on Twitter. NXT strikes a perfect balance between the attitude of, let's give everybody a shot, and the attitude of, okay, now that we've given everybody their shot, we need to recognize where the star power is, where the pull is coming from, what people are coming in to see. And that's a very hard balance to strike. And I'm sorry, going to flip it over to AEW, going to flip it over to Raw, going to flip it over to SmackDown. None of those are striking that balance as well as NXT does right now. 
Now, we come to the problem that I had of the night, because they're in the control center, but then they throw it over to Full Sail, where everybody are coming down to the ring to receive their awards from William Regal. Here's the problem. There's not a fucking soul in Full Sail. The place is empty, other than William Regal standing in the ring and whoever is getting the award at the time, with one exception that we're going to talk about later on. So... <sighs> It's weird because it looks like they're trying to do like a step up version of a backstage interview or a backstage promo, but wrestlers in a ring, and I'm talking about wrestlers as great as the Undisputed Era are, um, cutting, a, cutting a promo in the ring with nobody there, with no audience to feed off of, with no audience to respond to or react to, comes off as awkward. And it's not just these guys, it comes off as awkward every single time, because the only other thing they can do is just, like, tell Regal to fuck off. And that got old really, really quick. But they did come out, they did make a point of saying, I think it was O'Reilly that said, you know, it, it, it's, you know, this is for, for me and, and Fish, but it goes for any combination of the Undisputed Era, any, any three of us, any four of us, any two of us, and he starts rambling off all the different combinations of guys, and I thought that was a really good point, because I do think that, uh, as we go throughout the course of the night, Undisputed Era gets a lot of shine, but the one that falls, fades into the background a little bit, is Roderick Strong, because he doesn't get any awards and he is one of the champions that makes up this this faction of champions and that's a really awkward thing to do i think he's going to play the odd one out like if they were still if they were still playing up the dissension in the undisputed era story that they were doing about a year ago then you could definitely have strong sort of standing to one side and looking at the rest of the guys and sort of you know recontemplating his place in the world and they could still do that but it's it's very awkward to see to see where that where that difference in recognition lies. So I like that O'Reilly came in and sort of fixed that with a, hey, this tag team award could go to any two of us. But it just so happened that on these particular awards, they were addressing uh, Fish and O'Reilly. So that's pretty good. They also came out, like, uh, completely Evolution-like because, I mean, let's be real, Evolution had the, the yellow pyro that went off behind them. Everything in, not only NXT, but in... Um, Undisputed Era's entrance is all black and gold. It's all. This is why I, I love what they do because they say we are NXT. Like the Undisputed Era is NXT. All of their merch, all of their own personal logos from the Adam Cole merch specifically to the Undisputed Era merch in general is all black and gold as well. So that idea that they are NXT is very, very. It's on. It exists on every level. Is what I'm trying to say. But seeing all these guys come out in suits with all their belts, there was a real, real, real strong Evolution vibe, and I like that. Remember when Evolution wasn't was a faction itself, and Evolution wasn't just a propaganda word that they used to be politically correct in 2019? Yeah, I remember that too. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Anyways, switching gears. <laughs> As Undisputed Era go to the back, we go to the male superstar of the year, and the, uh, the uh, qualifiers are as follows. Adam Cole... Walter, who again falls into that NXT UK category of he's awesome, but I'm not sure enough people know that. Johnny Gargano, Velveteen Dream, Tyler Bates, an odd inclusion because he... I like Tyler Bate. I liked it when he became the first WWE United Kingdom champion, but the first real star champion that they had was Pete Dunne, and that's a shitty thing to say because it sounds like I'm putting him down, and I'm not... He is the NXT UK's version of Christian, amazing mid-carder, 
you know, scrape the bottom of the main event, but put him in the main event, and it just... There's a Rey Mysterio-ness to it, and I, I there's no way to say this that I don't sound shitty, but it's really weird when you see all the other names on this list to see Tyler Bate in there is, is kind of strange. And then the, the last one is Tommaso Ciampa. So you've got Adam Cole, Walter, Gargano, Velveteen Dream, Tyler Bate, Tommaso Ciampa, and even though Undisputed Era just went to the back, he comes back out because he's announced as the superstar of the year, isn't he? They come back out to the empty arena once again, and they do. They cut a very different kind of promo. The first one was like, "Hey, any combination of us could get this tag team title." Um, the undisputed era as a whole sort of prop Adam Cole up as this, um, you know, foregone conclusion. You know, we could call it the the two, the 2020 award. We could call it the 2021 award. We could just say that Adam Cole is the superstar of the years period, um, and it would cover him for the rest of his career, and I thought all that was really cool, because he did sort of stand back to let all the guys in the in the tag team portion of his group have their spotlight, so to have them immediately come back out and uh, reciprocate, that was really, really good. Um, it's it's cool that Adam Cole comes off as, as the leader of the group, but he doesn't come off as this guy that's bossing other people around per se, because he... He does for them like they do for him. So it, it, there is an equality to it in that regard. So to see that kind of equality in a heel faction, let's not forget, is a very, very interesting dynamic. And uh, Undisputed Era just think they're the coolest kids in school, don't they? Female superstar of the year. Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Tony Storm, Kaylee Ray, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley. Now the only one people are going to expect me right here, right now, to say that Bianca Belair shouldn't be on this list. As a character, no, she shouldn't. As an in-ring competitor and as an in-ring performer, absolutely she should. The one that, once again, and it feels like I'm going to like lean on the UK brand a lot when I say a lot of these things, Kaylee Ray is awesome. I like Kaylee Ray. She's the current UK Women's Champion, so I guess she has to be included in this list. But even if you put her up against other people in in this list that are from UK she's not quite where they are with the mainstream audience I mean Kaylee Ray's awesome she's not going to be received by the mainstream audience the same way Rhea Ripley has the same way Tony Storm has uh, and that's unfortunate and maybe she's got some room to grow maybe she should have got a like a star of tomorrow type of uh, type of nod but not this and obviously it went to Shayna Baszler now, I would say, as I say, with my biases intact, uh, knee-jerk reaction, put it on Rhea Ripley because of the great build that she's had all year, especially towards the end of the year, especially Survivor Series weekend, and then going into the match they had on the 18th and her becoming the champion and the crowd being so behind her. But you got to remember at the same time that that only happened in sort of like the last three months of the year. The rest of the year, going back into 2018, was all Baszler. Baszler destroyed everybody and made it believable and didn't make it boring um you know you come along and people talk about the the old uh title reigns of somebody like a triple h who even though triple h is a weird one and it's a hard example for me to make right now um triple h is great people know that he's great at what he does but at the same time they got very sick of him being champion very quickly Shayna baszler very easily could have run into the same thing and she didn't she made herself into this monster that was unsurmountable on her own and then even if you thought you could surmount her she had to you know three-headed hydra style she had two more heads that you had to deal with if you cut the first one off 
the way she did that, the way she did that, she made you cheer for whoever she was facing by default. And that's an amazing, not only is that an amazing heel, but that's an amazing superstar in general. So as much as I would love to see an award like this go to Tony Storm or Rhea Ripley, for my own reasons, or even Io Shirai as sort of a, a dark horse pick, um, I, I can't deny that it goes to Baszler. She comes out, she cuts a little bit of a promo, and it's she's she's the heel that just lost her title, so she's doing that overcompensatory, hey, just because I lost my title doesn't mean I'm not a badass, doesn't mean I'm not coming for all of you in 2020, uh, that kind of thing. Like She's trying to make up for the fact that she knows she just had probably the biggest loss of her career, and she's out there with her girls, and very much like the Undisputed Era, she's got you know, that strength in numbers, that, that confidence in the strength in the numbers, and it's all very cool. Now, Shayna Baszler, unlike the Undisputed Era, has never, to me, been that great on the mic. So that just got underscored tonight by the fact that they were cutting these promos in the empty, empty Full Sail Arena, which didn't do anybody any favors. Rivalry of the Year goes to Cole and Gargano, and they didn't announce who the other um, qualifiers were, and I didn't bother looking it up, because what else... What else is like this? I mean, it, the only other way you could have somebody else win Rivalry of the Year, it would have to be Shayna Baszler versus the rest of the roster, or Shayna Baszler versus the fans, because you can't. It's fine. It is what it is. Um, now, I've always thought it was really cool, or not cool, but very interesting, that they have a Rivalry of the Year, because that, that award has to go to both people, and they've never really done it at the same time. They've always had it where, you know, the, the Rivalry of the Year is announced, and whoever the heel of the rivalry just comes in and grabs the title, or grabs the award, or the big gold bell thing that they have as their awards, and, um, just sort of takes it, and I, well, obviously this, this rivalry was great because of me, but they did this thing where they did bring Cole out, and there was a little bit of a dichotomy, because out comes uh, Johnny Gargano, who is Mr. NXT, but you have to think about it through the TV lens, he got injured two or three weeks into the TV era of NXT, so the mainstream audience... Uh, the ones that weren't weren't uh, following NXT on the WWE Network, who started watching it when it hit USA, they don't have that much experience with Johnny Gargano. They can see him and see how good he is, but they don't have all the all the story. They don't have the the back chapters, so to speak. So they needed they needed to do something that showed that audience who wasn't as familiar with Johnny Gargano how good Gargano is, but also still acknowledge that that TV crowd has been purely indoctrinated by Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era. So they come out, and Gargano's there, and Cole's uh, coming out with the swagger of already coming out twice on this show for other awards, and they tease another go-around, and, uh, you know, Cole just says, yeah, mm, remind me, remind me who actually won that feud. You know, we had this great trilogy of matches, and Adam, or who is it? Adam Cole won the first one, Gargano won the second one, Adam Cole won the third one. The third one was in NXT Toronto, I was there. I wish they had televised that match tonight, because that was really, really a lot of fun. But he basically says, yeah, remind me, remind me who won that, and who's the champion, and, you know, Golden Prophecy, and all that sort of thing. And Gargano just says, hey, you know, when you came to visit my dad's business, I wish he would have punched you in the face. And they're sort of, they're both talking shit, and William Regal's sort of standing between the two of them, holding the two awards, saying, come on, guys, be professional, be professional. Cole just cuts him off, says, I'm always professional. But there's a tease for one more go-around in the... Um, in the Cole and Gargano feud, which is awesome. 
because as much as the the match was fun in Toronto where they fell off the edge of the cage through the table and Cole just managed to get his arm over um, you could say that they were both dead at the end of that match you could if you wanted to tell the story that these guys were neck and neck as far as matches it wouldn't be that hard it wouldn't be entirely true but it wouldn't be that hard but more to the point, I'm hoping that Cole, with the new badass attitude and the new sort of killer instinct that they're trying to give him, him and uh, him and Balor are going to go off and do some things, and Cole and, and Ciampa are going to go do some things. I hope that's the way they go, because Cole, or sorry, Gargano and Balor doesn't need a belt. Gargano and Balor just need you to get a marquee, just put the letters into the marquee that just say Johnny Gargano versus Finn Balor. And oh, by the way, we've got a title match over here. Um, but we'll see, because I also wouldn't mind at all if that just became a fatal four-way match. Balor had a really good match with Cole towards the end of the year. They started off NXT with it the same night that uh, Ripley won her title. So they could go back to that and say Balor, you know, have Balor do a, well, you know, anybody can win once type thing. And the other two are so synonymous with the title pitcher that making that fatal four-way wouldn't be too bad. Like, NXT Portland. I mean, we're going to talk about it later on. Take over Portland. Th that... That match is made for TakeOver Portland. It's the first NXT pay-per-view that's going to exist on its own without an accompanying Big Four WWE pay-per-view. Now, if you want to make that stick, if you want to make that last, tell me that we're getting Balor versus Cole versus Ciampa versus Gargano. They're not going to do that because we don't always get what we want. Match number two, or should I say the second runner-up for match of the year, is the first ever women's war games at this year's TakeOver War Games. And they, this was cool, too. As I said, there was reasons behind doing the tag match that they put on before, but this was great. If nothing else, if you put the main title pitcher aside, if you put the tag team pitcher aside that we're going to talk about in a second, NXT is better than AEW, and NXT is better than Raw or SmackDown on the back of their women's division. And I say their division as a whole because it's bigger than any one title story that they have. The, the depth and the density of the women's division that they have and the fact that they can sort of swap in and out people from NXT UK as well, like Ripley, like Storm, like Kaylee Ray, hopefully Piper Niven sooner than later, was good. And this proved it, because this wasn't about a title. It was about two people that were eventually going to fight for a title. But, I mean, what would you get? You got the Mia Yim attack out of this. You got the Dakota Kai turn out of this. You got Ripley winning a two-on-four match, essentially. All of this match set up for everything you saw at Survivor Series the next night. You had Baszler going on to beat the other two women's champions. You had Ripley going on back-to-back -back nights to lead her team to victories, but then you still had the Knox and Dakota Kai story simmering in the background. You still had Candice LeRae looking like a badass out of nowhere in the background. You still have Mia Yim coming back from injury in the background. You have a lot of people that are obstacles for each other before they can even look at a title match. And that's where... That's where this is just as important as the as the Ripley Baszler match that we got at the end of the year. This was really good, and this is why the women's division in NXT is better than anything you see in mainstream televised North American pro wrestling. Now, I always have to specify that because the past two times I've said this, they are the best women's wrestling ever. I got knob goblins in the chat saying, "Well, you didn't talk about all these all women's promotions," and I'm like, "Well, I'm not comparing them, am I?" not going to talk. I, unlike most people, am not going to speak to things that I am not familiar with. That's all I'm going to say about that. Future Star of the Year. Now, once again, 
what have you got in, in NXT right now? You've got the Undisputed Era, you've got sort of Ciampa, Gargano, Cole, Balor, that collection of main eventers. Plus you got Pete Dunne and, and Matt Riddle that sort of flowed in and out of there. You got Keith Lee driving up into, into that echelon as well. And you got the entire women's division that are killing it on the top. And what did I say? There's a bunch of other stories not involving the title that make that women's division great. Here's an entire award for everything that's simmering underneath all of that. Kushida, Zaya Lee, Bronson Reed, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Ilya Dragunov over in NXT UK. I've only seen him a couple of times, can't really say much about it. Isaiah Swerve Scott, Tanera Conte, who apparently lost her last name and apparently they're just calling her Tanara now. That's, that's a thing. And Cameron Grimes, who you guys know I'm not really a fan of, but a lot of other people are. So it is what it is. And the winner is Dakota Kai, who had one of the best heel turns this year. I mean, Bailey's heel turn sucked. Let's be real. She's the champion, and she's Sasha Banks' sidekick as champion. That's not good, is it? Dakota Kai had an awesome heel turn. I'm really kind of bummed that Io Shirai didn't get anything this year because her heel turn was just as amazing as Dakota Kai's, but I think there's some recency bias involved in that, and I don't think people were as involved in Io Shirai as a face as they were involved in Dakota Kai as a face. You guys heard me a whole lot. I love Dakota Kai when she was a face. When she was in NXT, when she was in NXT UK, I referred to her many, many, many times as Bailey done properly, and that how good she was as a good guy informs how we take the heel turn, and I think it was a bigger, Zaylee, or sorry, um, Io Shirai's heel turn was amazing. Her heel character is amazing, but the turn itself was more impactful because of what a good face Dakota Kai was. And since then, like, the way she's carrying around Tegan Knox's knee brace like a, like a trophy, the way she's changed up her music, the way she's come out to an entrance music that included Tegan Knox's cries as part of the audio. It's just, it's all coming together really, really good. Dakota Kai comes out, and she cuts a relatively decent promo for somebody who's not incredible on the mic either. She basically said something to the effect of, you know, future star, eh? I've known that all along. Any of you that voted for me, you're just late to the party. I love that. And because she didn't like, she didn't beat it to death. She just, you know, if you guys think I'm a future star now, you're late to the party. That's, that's, cool simple stuff it wasn't helped by the fact that again they're cutting these promos in this empty arena that doesn't really provide much dynamic but it was still really good we get you know stepping away from the sorry really not having a good sinus night don't mind me and you know it's New Year's Day, so I'm, I'm shaking it off a bit, aren't I? Uh, the Dusty Classic tag teams were announced, and everybody that sort of flipped their shit, oh, there's no tag teams in NXT, forgetting that there's two halves of NXT for one thing. Um, it's It looks pretty good. I, uh, I was saying at the end of last week that Keith Lee and Leo Rush should be a team in here, and it would be a lot of fun. They're not, which kind of bums me out, unless they're going to write a story where one of these teams gets injured or can't continue or whatever, and they come in and sub in at the last minute, but I don't like that too much. We've got the Undisputed Era, because of course we do. Forgotten Sons, who I could do without. The team of Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne are going to hurt other people. It's, it's just a thing, isn't it? Kushida and a mystery partner. Now, because I am the way I am, and because I sometimes dream a little bit more than I should, I really, really, really hope that this is how they bring back John Morrison. 
because the team of Kushida and John Morrison would be really, really cool. From the NXT UK side, we've got four teams that I wish people knew more about because I like all of them. The Grizzled Young Vets, Gallus, Imperium, uh, specifically Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eichner from Imperium, and Andrews and Weber, or Webster, who are, like as I say again, really, really fun team, and I hope they... Uh, I hope they get to look good. I hope the teams from UK get to look good. I hope they don't all lose in the first round. Um, we get the announcement that TakeOver, the first take, bleh, the TakeOver of 2019 was TakeOver War Games, which I don't really think anybody can argue with. It was the TakeOver that marked NXT's inclusion in a big four pay-per-view. It was the TakeOver that was built around all this interbrand stuff. There was more. There was more in it. And plus, the women's division, like I say, got to shine like fucking crazy. And it was really, really good. Um, I would like to say, again, recency bias, why don't we just do uh, TakeOver Toronto? TakeOver Toronto gets the shaft. Once again, it's fine. We, we Canadians are used to it at this point. Breakout Star of the Year. Now, Breakout Star of the Year and Future Star of the Year are, are very, very similar categories, are they not? And here is where I'm going to get accusations thrown my way because this is the only award that I don't I don't disagree with it but I don't agree with it a hundred percent if that makes sense your nominees for breakout star of the year are Damian Priest okay Piper Niven okay Dijak okay Dijak I, I need to care I, I really do Angel Garza fair enough Joe Coffey from Gallus who are which is a NXT UK thing uh, Keith Lee, obviously, Candice LeRae, obviously, Matt Riddle, obviously, Rhea Ripley, obviously. Now, they gave this to Keith Lee, and I can't argue against that, because Keith Lee is fucking amazing, uh, especially with, uh, with things that he did at uh, War Games and the big moments that he had at Survivor Series, the moments that he had in the end of the in the end of the five on five on five match, especially between him and Roman Reigns, are all amazing. The way he's stepped up in his feud with Dijak, amazing. The way he fought Roderick Strong for the North American Championship, amazing. Him pouncing Adam Cole into the crowd that became the gift that ran the world for a little bit, amazing. But I'm sorry, I really am because I know how this is going to be received, this award should have gone to Rhea Ripley. That's just my opinion. I, I, I'm well open to a discussion or a debate about it because anybody that disagrees with me and says that it should be Keith Lee, I, I really can't take anything with This should have been Rhea Ripley, though. And this is the one where where Keith Lee didn't come out. To, I don't know whether there was a scheduling conflict when they were taping or whatever it is, but he was not given his award in the ring, he was not given his award in front of the empty arena by William Regal, etc. He was presented his award backstage by Triple H. And if that's not the rub, I don't know what is. See, and I was going to stick in the whole, hey Jordan Miles, this could have been you if you weren't an absolute cunt, but I'm not going to do that, because it's 2020, new year, new me. It is true though. Match of the year. For 2019, we had the runner-up, we had the second runner-up, match of the year, comes from the feud of the year, it's TakeOver New York, it's Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, two out of three falls, and as I said before, I'm not going to go through the match, you guys know how amazing this match was, I'm not going to go through this match because you know how amazing these two guys are, how amazing this feud was. I will reiterate though, 
I will reiterate that this did a great thing because it did much like uh, the Street Profits need for their for their match on Monday for their for their title. They needed to do something to, with Adam Cole, who this new television audience have got, come to know, come to love, come to see as Mr. NXT, and have him losing to Gargano. Show show something that Gargano did that was on that par, because I don't think Gargano has gotten the exposure he needs for this new TV audience yet. So I think of of the of the feud of the three matches that they had this was the one that they had to show because they had to show a big Gargano moment especially if he's going to go have a big Gargano match with Balor sometime in the near future probably Portland it's it's a fast forward way to get the t television audience the the USA network audience as on board with Johnny Gargano as the rest of us are and I'm sorry it doesn't hurt anybody to see Adam Cole losing a match because as we go to the last award of the night, the overall star of the year, who did it go to? It went to Adam Cole, didn't it? Um, so Adam Cole comes back out and they've got all the, they've got all the gold belt wise and they've got all the gold um, NXT year end award wise. They got the tag team award. They got Adam Cole as as male superstar of the year. They got Adam Cole getting his half of the match or rivalry of the year with Johnny Gargano and and now he comes out and he just he just says it all. He just does he does the Adam Cole thing. It's like we told you guys, look, we got all the gold and we got all the gold. You can depend on the undisputed era. The undisputed era is NXT and that's not just a catchphrase. It's it's fucking great. It's Adam Cole's third award of the night. It's Undisputed Era's fourth award of the night. Now, <coughs> and if you include the Feud of the Year, um, sorry, Feud of the Year, Match of the Year, whatever, because we just finished showing the Match of the Year, which was with him and, and Gargano, so he got two from there, I guess. You want to say he got Match of the Year, that would be an award. You want to say Feud of the Year, that would be another award. You want to say Male Superstar of the Year, that would be a, an award. You want to say Overall Superstar of the Year, that would be an award, because even though we've been bigging up the, the women's division throughout the entire year and throughout this particular show, what you do with the overall star of the year is basically you take the man of the year and the woman of the year and you put them head to head and that's what the graphic showed us while Pat McAfee was going on and on with his suit and shorts and it was basically was it Adam Cole or was it Baszler so what they said here without really saying it was that the, ma the male superstar of the year was better than the female superstar of the year now I'm sure people will get really twisted up about that I don't think they should I think this was for a, for a clip show for a pre-produced show <coughs> for a show that is basically NXT's version of the Slammies, this did a lot for a lot of people. It pushed, in, in everybody's minds, it pushed people like Baszler, it pushed people like Keith Lee, Dakota Kai, um, you know, the Street Profits and everybody involved in that four-way that won the first, uh, you know, runner-up uh, Match of the Year award. It did... It reminded you of all the things it needed to remind you of. It reminded you of all the players it needed to remind you of. It paid obvious acknowledgement to the ones that are at the top of their game. Adam Cole being the guy uh, in NXT right now. It did everything it needed to do, and it set the table. Um, and as I say, if we want to talk it from the perspective of a Monday night, or a, sorry, a Wednesday night war, it really did say, okay, here's here's our clip show. We're not even doing a show this week, but hey, AEW this is what you have to compete with. And if I'm AEW, I'm kind of shitting my pants a little. I'm just saying. Anyways, 
Happy New Year, guys. That's it. This is all. I uh, thought this was going to be a short video because I'm just talking about a clip show, and it still ended up being about 35 minutes. So uh, let me know how your New Year was, but until uh, I talk to you again, I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, tagging out. Bye, guys.